Hello everyone and welcome to Bantering the Blue Shirts without Joe Fortunato. Joe was going to record. Uh, he's at home watching his baby. We're recording during the day on a Monday, which is strange and unusual. Kind of a, a dreary, rainy day. Uh, but Joe lost his power, so he has no power. Um, so he's in colonial times, more or less. I'm sure he's uh, churning butter or doing that stick hoop game. That was a big deal back in the day. Which is odd to me because not a lot of flat surfaces, I would imagine, for the hoop. Anyway, I'm joined by Shayna Goldman. Shayna, unmute yourself and say hi to everyone. Hi. I'm really glad I muted myself because that, that intro I was laughing the entire time through. Do you remember the stick hoop game? Did you have to do in school, like dress up no. like pilgrims and... No? Uh... Okay, we might it's have a done a thing where we hoop. had to dress up like... I think we did a thing where we dressed up like pilgrims, like, maybe once, but I'd never played that game. All right, well... More of a skip it a person, hoop. you know? Yeah, well, skip it's legit. But, like, you get a big wooden hoop and then a long stick, and you just kind of smack the hoop around to keep it going. And apparently... I feel like, like I've seen that on, like, old movies. Yeah, it's an old-timey, you know... Other than like throwing rocks at things and you know dying, skipping rocks and lakes, smallpox. Yeah, you know those. those <laughs> things do. Anyway, 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 um, we're gonna talk about the Rangers, Shane, and not skipits and not throwing rocks. Right, no, the Rangers, not them, and not throwing rocks. Um, so the Rangers have a winning streak. What the hell does that mean? Uh, the Rangers have largely, really, thanks to Henrik Lundqvist. The Rangers have won. Uh, the la their last three games, I believe, since the last time we recorded, they beat uh, the Sharks, they beat the Ducks, and just last night, they held on in one of the best performances we've seen by Henrik Lundqvist in a while to defeat the Sabres. And so that's a three-game winning streak, which means that this team, believe it or not, is one game away from being a 500 hockey team. Shayna, what is happening? Um... Henrik Lundqvist is happening. That's yeah, all I got. That's pretty much it. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> he, uh... was, he was unbelievable last night. Like, I think he's been really good all season. Like, I don't think I can point out one game and be like, oh, what a bad game from Henrik. Like, I don't think we've even had that yet. You look at everything and you're like, well, that's, I think it's five games that he's faced 35-plus shots and three games where he's faced 40-plus shots already. And that's through 11 starts. And you're just like, are you kidding already? I don't know what else we would have expected. I mean, I expected Hank to have to be Hank, and he's being Hank. So that is wonderful and great. And Georgiev was super solid in his two starts. And uh, if he's on, Hank can rest, which we need, because if Lundqvist is going to have to face shots like this night in, night out, he's going to need more rest, <clears throat> more rest than he would normally need because he's obviously getting older and a workload like this takes a toll on any goaltender, let alone someone that's faced it for the last century. So they should just be thanking Hank. Don't I do anything else. You, like Of these yes. last three games, which game do you think the Rangers looked best in as a team? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, last night they got outshot 40-22. to 22. Yeah, it definitely wasn't last night. They're 5-on-5 five five play sucks. I guess it was ducks. against the Ducks. The Ducks, it was 24 to 30 in terms of shots. Um, yeah. And then against the Sharks, the Rangers actually outshot the Sharks. 
but of course, both the win against San Jose and Anaheim came in the shootout. So, you know, it, it is a winning streak, but it's a winning streak with a little tiny asterisk attached to it. But I would fe- I, I would agree with you. I think they look best against the Ducks. But all you know of these teams, the Ducks have had the most struggles. So yeah, yeah, exactly that. They look but, good uh, against the Sharks, though. They did look pretty good against the Sharks. I thought so too. I feel like Shattenkirk um, looked good. You had a couple couple plays by like uh, Hayes. Hayes was pretty damn good, and uh, Zabanajad and Zook. I think. Oh yeah, Zuccarello scored that really nice goal against Sharks, and then there was Hank. But it was the six on five, which when they blew two games straight of the six on five, it was reminding me of the 2017 playoffs where it was like anytime they got in a six on five situation, you had to like hold your breath. And usually you'd exhale, but not because they made it through, but because they allowed the goal, and now overtime, and why? Oh my god. Yeah, it's it's starting to feel a little bit like when the other team pulls the goalie, the Rangers are on like high alert. You you felt that tension against Buffalo, like when yeah. BC just sl- slammed it for the empty net goal, it was everyone was like, alright, we can All breathe right. and relax now, because really, the Rangers played I mean, Buffalo just outchanced the Rangers and outplayed them for most of that game, but Lundqvist was just otherworldly good. And then Brendan Smith had a turnover, and, you know, I think it was Connor Sheary who just kind of mm-hmm. got a rebound on his own shot, and it was a goal. Like, it was one of those, like, what more does Lundqvist need to do? He also has to kind of cover for the Everything. mistakes of his defensemen. And, uh, Come out of the yeah. net, defend, block shots. Yeah. Go back to the, net. the power yeah. play, maybe. Yeah, he's got to do a lot. Just of start, just start um, skating up there. He can fight. He can do everything. The one thing I was kind of, um, uh, what's the good word here? Like enthused about was the Rangers definitely got their butts kicked in terms of possession against Buffalo. But for the first time in a while, they didn't really need to depend on the power play. Uh, they only had one power play opportunity. Pionk scored. VC had a goal off of a great play by Howden. And, you know, the Pianco was like, okay, well, sometimes that shot will go in. It just kind of looks like Hutton just missed it. And it was kind of reminded me of, like, what we saw from the Rangers a year or even two years ago, where it's just, you know, a couple smart plays, even though they're getting outchanced and getting their butts whooped in possession. But Henrik Lundqvist kind of makes the difference. And what's interesting to me is VC had been pretty quiet up until this game in Buffalo, and... He comes away with two goals, and of course, you know, the, the go-ahead goal, or the goal that proved to be the game winner uh, that he scored in the second period with uh, that wrist shot he, he took, then went glove side on Hutton, and I'm mentioning VC a lot right now because very recently, meaning last night, we finally got to see Buchnevich back on the ice, and it was a bit of a weird trend with the Rangers scratch Buchnevich and they win a game, but now Buchnevich is in the lineup and the Rangers win. But more importantly, I think, Shayna, is the fact that Buch saw over 17 minutes of ice time. He started the game, I believe, with Hayes and Kreider, and as the game was wrapping up, he was seeing some time with KZB. Was it good to see Buch kind of back in action where he belongs? Yes. He looked he looked good throughout the game. Uh, I liked I think Hayes was a player last year that I wanted to see Booch play with more, and it was weird to me how rarely they played, but Hayes was stapled to Grabner and then was stapled to Spooner basically after that, so um, there wasn't as much, many ways to, you know, give them different combinations with that, and uh, 
I, I thought he looked good with him. I think that they're both smart players and they both see the ice really well that it could definitely comp they could definitely complement each other and then having someone like Kreider who obviously has chemistry with Booch and has the speed to get to the net and everything else. You saw a couple like uh, dump and chase plays and when you have someone like Kreider you can do that and I think that does work well for Booch because there are times you'll see him just kind of whip it around the boards and if anyone's going to retrieve it, it it's going to be Kreider. It's what Stepan did with Kreider for years. It's what Zibanejad and Booch both have learned to do with him. So I think of all players, uh, well, besides Zibanejad, I guess, but Kreider's someone that Booch really can anticipate what he's going to do. So to see them back, get that chemistry, and then you get to see KZB again, and they had a great shift together. And it's interesting because I think Bucinavich's most frequent line mate is Brett Howden, and I think that's 52 5 on 5 minutes. After that, it's Zibanejad at 45, and then after that, it's Kreider at 35. I know it didn't work at first, KZB, but like, if you're not going to go with Hayes, Booch, Kreider for a little longer, which I don't see why you wouldn't, I definitely tried KZB again. You barely got them this year. Now everyone seems to be clicking. Zibanejad got off to a slow start. There's no question. So did Kreider. They both had what? four and five points through their first seven games, yeah, I think. Yeah. You know, now that both of them are going, throw Bucinavich in, and he obviously wants to play. He obviously wants to be there. He looked, the critique with him is always, is he engaged? He looked engaged. There's no question he looked engaged. Every single play you saw him trying. And I think, I think a big thing is, though, is like the way he stands, how he holds his stick. I think it's easy to look at him and go, oh, he's not engaged because he does things differently than other players. Yeah. And I don't think that's a knock on him. It's just the way he is. And yeah, it's, I, I, that's, it's a really yeah. interesting thing to me with, with Booch and, you know, the perception of what he's doing right and what he's doing wrong. I wrote a piece on Blue Shirt Banner about how he hasn't been good enough. And that would prove to be a pretty divisive piece among, you know, readers and Rangers Twitter. But the thing that's so interesting to me is that, you know, it feels like, people are not willing to accept the idea that, you know, the idea that Booch hasn't been good enough and that Quinn has not been doing a good enough job with them. Like, those things are not mutually exclusive. They can both exist. Booch can be off to a slow start and Quinn can be harming him. And, you know, the, it can be partly Quinn's fault and partly Buchnevich's performance fault. And I think what was so interesting is seeing him back in the lineup is he ended up being scratched for... Ryan Spooner. And I bring up Spooner because Spooner and is kind of, when we evaluate him and look at him, we can't escape comparing him to Nemesnikov. And Nemesnikov in the last couple of games, I know Joe said this in his notes today, has really looked like a different player all of a sudden. And I feel like one of the reasons why that's working is he's going hard to the net. Like he's going into areas where he just didn't seem engaged in doing before. And I feel like Quinn probably wants to see something like that from Buchnevich, but I just, like, you can be a really effective and good player, especially in the offensive zone, without being a guy who drives to the net all the time. So you need a guy who makes the play that lets the guy who's driving to the net find a rebound or get a stick on the ice, and that's who Buchnevich is. He's the skill guy that you, you put with guys who will go hard to the net, and... I, I look at him as, you know, I'm not worried. I I know that it's a little disappointing to see him struggle. And it is like, oh, okay, well, 
it didn't work under AV. It didn't. It's not really working under Quinn. So I know. I know that some people are panicking or worried. Or, you know, there are a lot of people who think that Buchnevich has been too highly praised from the word go. But he had a really solid game against Buffalo. His possession numbers were great in a game where the Rangers got smoked in terms of possession. And I know it's just one game, but he did look good. He looked like the Booch that we know. And it's no surprise to me that, you know, you play him in the role that he's more comfortable with, that he's going to look better. And that's what I think we saw. Yeah, I agree with you. Because he... I, uh, hold on, let me think that one through again. I right. think that... <laughs> I think that you don't have to be... The you know the play driver on he doesn't have to be the play driver on every line and when you have a guy like Chris Kreider like a lot of the times it's a center driving the line and when Chris Kreider's on the line a lot of the times it's him if you're playing Booch with him you have that you have that in Zabanajad who can do it and you have it in Kreider who can unquestionably do it so they complement each other so well and even if it's with Kevin Hayes or in a different combination he doesn't have to be glued to Zabanajad or glued to Kreider you know he's not dependent on them it's just he's complimented by them and what you mentioned with Spooner it's interesting because he was a player that had what one point through his first seven games first eight games and he was demoted he was yeah he was pulled from the lineup he came back in and was given a chance off the bat on the I think I think he went from healthy scratch to second line but I'm I definitely have to check back I feel like that's right yeah yeah it's in my notes which are kind of far away but uh, yeah. Falling apart at the uh, here. Um, I know. But, no, but I, yeah, I, like I get what he, you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, it's not like Spooner's done anything that you're totally all inspired by. That you're like, oh, okay, you should definitely come back into the top six when you come back into the lineup. Because <clears throat> I'm not sure that's the case. He has two points. Yes, he scored against LA. It was a nice goal. But is it enough when you see how Booch, if Booch builds on this, it uh, you know. It's one game. But if Booch builds on this, look look at how he's responded to it. Look at what Nemesnikov has done, you know, over these last few games and how he's taken it further. Now it's Spooner's turn. And if you're going to keep together that third line of Howden, Faust, and BC, and at this point, I'm not sure I'd see why you wouldn't because they've been good. They're clicking. Howden's working well with BC. Faust can kind of go anywhere and it works. And that line definitely looks like they're developing chemistry. What does that mean? Does that mean it's fourth line or second line? You know, it, it gets a little bit tricky when you have that one line in place. Unless you make Foss, VC, and Howden more of your fourth line, which on a good team, that's what they would be. On the Rangers, they're the third line. I think that's yeah, what you that's, have to, like, figure out. Well, that's part of this that's unique problem the Rangers have, where their offense isn't very good, but they have all these forwards. And I feel like when you're trying to compare Spooner to Buchnevich, if you're, you know the coach of this team, you look at Spooner and you know that he he just shoots more. You know, he he does enough little things where he can look better than Booch when Booch isn't able to get in the box score because, you know, he's a creative player like Booch. He's a perimeter a perimeter player like Buchnevich, but the difference between them is like Spooner is not the answer here. Buchnevich has a very good very highly likely, in my opinion, chance to be an answer moving forward for this team. And I'm glad that, you know, I'm glad that we got to see, you know, Booch work into the lineup and get a chance to to mix with some of the, the real top six forwards on this team. It's what he needed. 
But speaking of, you know, kids and how they're being used by Quinn, you know, Joe wrote an article, Shana, about how David Quinn has failed Philip Heedle. And we talk about guys getting scratched and, you know, we talk about this team and how the coach is using them. Philip Heedle has not been scratched yet. He has three points in 14 games. Uh, but the thing that really stands out, Shana, is that he's averaging 12 and a half minutes a night. And last night in Buffalo, I'm sorry, in New York against Buffalo, the Rangers uh, took Brett Howden out of the game as a precautionary measure when he went into the boards hard. And they were not playing Cody McLeod. And Philip Heedle didn't see a bump in his ice time. And we're continuing to see him not get a real chance to really make an impact. And it's frustrating because he nearly scored a goal last night. He made a great pick and he had a wraparound chance. I think that Rasmus Rustelainen spoiled. But Heedle last night had 9 minutes and 53 seconds of ice time. Shayna, no time in the power play. Nine minutes and 53 seconds. That's just, it's really hard to comprehend. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's, there's, I think it's, you look at it, you gotta look at it two ways. You look at it for the one, management wants to keep him here. He played that 10th game. They burnt the first year of his contract. That's a big deal. It's, it's, it's a big deal in the sense that they were, you know, you, you did it. You can't have a second thought. If you have a second thought in game 20, 30, even 40, or you decide to do it right before, I think it's 41 game mark where that would count as one year towards unrestricted free agency. If they did it at game 20 or 30 or 40, it would be different. But at game 12, 13, 14, you're going, you just made that decision. You just decided to do it. Why? Why keep him here? And if the excuse is going to be, oh, well, he hasn't played enough, so we're going to send him down, it's going to be like, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. You had every opportunity to play him more. And you didn't. And it's not like he's doing things that would make you say he doesn't deserve to play more. Rangers are shooting more with him on the ice. The Rangers are expected to score more with him on the ice. He is shooting the puck like crazy. He is getting to the scoring areas. He's getting high danger attempts. I think he leads the team with his raw numbers. And then even when you consider, you know, the ice time he plays, it gets even better. So it's like, what more do you need? It's Kevin Hayes and... Hedo across the top, and the two of them are the ones that aren't scoring nearly enough. Hayes has, what, four points at this point, and Hedo has three. You want more from both of them. They're doing the right things. And eventually, when you keep doing the right things, the scoring's going to come. And I know we've been saying it now for 14 games. When's the scoring going to come for Hedo? It has to come soon, right? But when you're going, we're going to put him at center to start, and now we're going to move him to wing. And now we're going to move him back to center. you got to let him play somewhere. you got to give him more than... Two or three games in one position and the other. It's an adjustment. And then you have to say, line mates. When he's on the wing, look at the line mates he has versus at center, especially if he's going to be down on the fourth line. And then, of course, it comes in the complication where Howden's playing so well. So, of course, Heedle's going to be on the fourth line. And now Howden's playing in a combination with VC and Foss, where the Rangers, I just looked it up, they're taking seven, it's small sample, 25 minutes, keep all that in mind. But they're taking 72% of the shots with that line on the ice, and they're expected to score 80% of the goals. They don't have the results as much as they want. Yeah. Why would you break it up? So then you go, what do you do with Heedle? Letary and McLeod can't be the answer. And maybe it's you balance out your minutes between your third and fourth line a little bit better. 
and you well, get yeah, you that's don't, something that Quinn yeah. hasn't done. He just he doesn't use his fourth line, which is one of the big questions we had coming into the year: is how is he going to use the fourth line, and what does a David Quinn fourth line look like? And I think we're finding out it's just the guys who he throws out there and gives like ten minutes of ice time to. Because Lettieri has had almost no ice time. McLeod last night had I think even less eight, ice time than Heedle. Eight yeah, five so. on five minutes, I think it was. But he was, oh. with McLeod on the ice, they had a reason. I mean, I think he was on the ice for, like, two shots four and, like, 10 or 11 against. I mean, they they were not good. I don't think he was on the ice for any goals against, but uh, could not get out of his own zone, getting way too many shots on Hank with him on the ice that it was like, nope, this isn't going to work. So he was rightfully last night. But... What you were saying in general still holds true. Yeah, I I don't know. I look at, like, if Latieri gets a full minute more ice time and almost two minutes more than Hedl in that situation, especially when Howden is taken out of the game, then you have to ask questions about what the coach is trying to do. You know, is the perception that Latieri is just a harder, you know, is kind of a hard-nosed game. You want him out there because, you know, he's just going to shoot and hit people. And do things that Vinny Letieri does. But my my belief is that you play Heedle in the top six. At least in the top nine. You let him play his natural position when you can. Which frankly, you can if you choose to. Especially, you know, if, if you accept like, alright, well, why not try Howden on the wing? Or why not, you know, move things around here and there and try and figure out how to give this kid a chance. And the line mates thing you brought up is important because you got to let him get comfortable playing with the same guys, especially, you know, I think right now as a turn, you know, he's still the highest amount of ice time he's had with anyone is Kevin Hayes, who's, you know, a fellow center, which tells us a lot. After that, it's Jesper Fast or Fast. After that, it's Zuccarello. After that, it's Letary. So the thing, but the thing that's most interesting about that is those time on ice numbers are pretty balanced out. And that tells us a lot about how much he's been kind of moved around and kind of plugged in and out of, you know, whether or not he's on the third line or fourth line. And lately it's been all fourth line for Heedle. And if you want him to be the player that this organization believes he can be, you got to let him play. And that means you got to let him make mistakes. You got to let him fail. He's not going to get to be a better player by playing 10 minutes a night and playing with Vinny Letieri every night. You know, that just... Uh because yeah. yeah, that's why you would why like you would if that's what you think, think then, then let him play with you know a Vinny Letieri equivalent in the AHL, AHL uh, for uh, 20 minutes a night and that's the choice look at what Leas is doing made. yeah yeah which is exactly what Leas Anderson's doing and the organization chose a different path and like you said you made that decision with the entry level contract you can't take it back so you might yeah, as well it, do right no. by the kid it's not like that should be what what makes their decision up, but it, it's got to be somewhere in there, especially right now, just as, you know, like I said, if they said down the line, this isn't working out, by all means, do what's best for him. But right now, it, it's like, what were you thinking then? Then you could have made this decision four games ago. You could have brought up, you know, another center, shifted domestic call for Spoon or anything like that. But the one, I would, I would leave Howden at center. I think that that's his like, natural position. He's done so well there. He's always played it. The one I would try shifting, actually back up to Howden, I would try throwing that line. I don't think VC's that great defensively. I think he's he is what he is. 
but Fost is, and I think Howden can be, and he was put in those situations in junior. I throw that one some more, that line, some more defensive zone starts and just kind of see what they can do. You know, on the fly is, you know, it is what it is. But when you're trying to, you know, strategize, maybe if it's start, you know, there's a face-off in the defensive zone, give them a shot. Howden's great at face-offs. The rest of them are, you know, they can get the puck out of their own zone. If I would trust anyone in their own end, it's fast. Why not try it? And at the very least, if they could get the puck from one end to the other end for the next line to come on, it's a win. So I think that they can try doing that, and then that might be a little bit more offensive zone time for your first line. Uh, sorry, your fourth line, which if Hedl's going to be on it, you should be giving him that. Not that he needs to be sheltered, but you know, I think if you have Foss and Howden on the line, they might be the ones better suited to play defensive zone minutes. But the one I yeah. try to see on wing is Hayes. I mean, it's his natural position. He's barely played it with the Rangers. Yes, we know he might get traded. Yes, it might hurt his value if he plays wing for a couple games. But what do you have to lose if you throw Heedle on that line, make Heedle the center, and throw Hayes on the wing? And if you want, if you don't want to go, you can go Zuccarello easily on the wing or Kreider. Either one of them drives a line. Either one of them, I would say, if you need a winger on your line on this team and you had to pick any player, you're going to go Kreider Zuccarello. Booch isn't going to be far behind. Yes, Foss, you can plug into any situation. But you're going to go Kreider Zuccarello. Give Hedl one of them. Don't say, well, we want him back on center, and we're going to put him on the fourth line, and then we're going to give him Jesper Fast as the strong you know, winger to make it work. Because I think that's what Quinn did. As much as I like Fast, that isn't the answer. He isn't that one that's driving the line. Give him no, no. the actual winger that you, you know, put him on the second line, go with Spooner and Kreider. Give it a shot. Do anything else, but throwing him on the fourth line, giving him McLeod on one side, giving Lotary on the other isn't going to work. Maybe if they, you know, switch someone out from Hartford, maybe if they do give Bleski a shot, that could improve the fourth line. Maybe if they give Meskinen a shot or any of them, it could change things. I still don't think I'd want Heedle there, though. You know, I get it. There's only four center slots, but they got to figure out something, whether it's moving him back to wing moving him back, to, you know, keeping him at center. Whatever the case, he needs consistency. And most importantly, he needs good line mates because that's more important than who you're playing him against, what zone starts, any context. It's line mates. That's the most influential. Yeah, absolutely. The thing, it's interesting to me, we've seen McQuaid out of the lineup and his injury recently got, um, you know, upgraded or downgraded, whichever is more apropos, I'm not sure. It got more worser. Uh, he's now a question of weeks away. Um, he's week to week at the moment. And what occurred to me is, you know, we've had a good stretch now of Tony D'Angelo in the lineup. And that is important and relevant here because you have McQuaid out and Cleason for that matter. But now the, a problem got solved. You know, D'Angelo is getting ice time. He's getting, you know, he's uh, being allowed to kind of carve out a role for himself and I keep looking at this this forward group Shane and I keep saying there's just too many guys here there's you have this problem of and even if you eliminate you know you know Lettieri is waivers exempt you know you could just shoot him down to Hartford at any time especially if you wanted to give someone like Bolesky a chance and you know McLeod if you lose him on waivers it's probably a net benefit for the team but the thing that keeps occurring to me is like, just trade Hayes now or, you know, make a deal now. Maybe 
see if someone's interested in VC. You know, now that he's you know putting together a couple of two goal games here, like, or you know, if you can trade Vlad Nemestikov now, you should probably do it. And the reason I think is, I feel like when you start asking yourself if you're damaging a guy's trade value by not showcasing him and not featuring him in your lineup and you're letting that get in the way of a player's development you're really doing yourself a disservice and i know that there's going to be plenty of games to be played after the trade deadline but you have an opportunity to to test a lot of guys not just the guys that we consider at the top of the heap but the meskinens the michael lindquist etc like you have a chance to really figure out what you have here and i feel like there's just a few too many guys standing around and you know not enough opportunity for someone like Heedle because of how many guys that David Quinn likes to play in the top nine before him and it kind of reminds me of you know solving the problem for the coach of all right well let's move a body out of here you know we know that Nemestikov has gotten some you know there's been some sniffing around him and obviously we know that Hayes is a really desirable guy I feel like the best thing this team can do really is keep options open in terms of making a deal now. You know, I, I'm I'm still conflicted on whether or not it's it's best to wait at the deadline because, you know, it feels like sometimes you can get a better return there. But if you do it now in the fall, you know, as we head into November and December here, like you can really, you know, set the price for yourself and say, this is what's acceptable to us. And in many ways you'll be getting something back because you'd be getting more of an opportunity to evaluate a guy like Heedle if you move a Spooner or a Vlad Nemestikov or Kevin Hayes. And, you know, that the draft pick's going to still be a draft pick. The prospect's still going to be a prospect. It's, in many ways, you, it might be better to, you know, make that deal happen now rather than later so that you're not pushed up against a wall at the deadline and trying to settle on what prospect you think you want and what prospect you can negotiate for. I would expect the Rangers are already doing this, but this is the sort of thing they really need to consider because, you know, I think you made a good point about a potential lineup, but I, I'm, just, I'm just worried that the way that Quinn uses his fourth line, if you end up on the fourth line, whether you're Hedl or Buchnevich or whoever, you're just not going to get a chance. And when that happens to a younger guy, it's a huge problem. And that's been one of the things we've definitely learned through the first 14 games of the season here is, you know, when when Quinn has an opportunity, he he's trying to figure out this team. He's trying to figure out his defensive pairs. He's trying to figure out what he has with his forwards. But he's also really heavily leaning on, you know, the guys who are his first line forwards, mainly... Zabinajad, Zuccarello, and Kreider. You know, he's been leaning on them since the word go. And there's nothing wrong with that. But it's also, you know, you can't give Zuccarello and Zabinajad, you know, I think Zib is up to averaging nearly 21 minutes a night. Zuccarello is just under 20 minutes a night. And that's fine. You know, a lot of top-end forwards average those minutes. But when we ask ourselves, like, all right, well, how does he not play his fourth line? And the answer is because he leans on those other guys that much. And it's it's starting to take a toll in terms of an opportunity to develop and make an impact for Heedle. It's not the end of the world. The good news with Heedle is, frankly, even if kind of Quinn keeps fumbling this, Heedle is young enough where even if this year is something of a wash in terms of development, it wouldn't be the end of the world. It would just be a major disappointment. It would be something you should avoid at all costs. But... 
I worry in terms of what the priority is to feature some of these guys, the Zuccarellos, Hayes, etc., etc., and feature them, showcase them for trades, and letting that get in the way of trying to figure out who's going to be the answer for this team. Um, speaking of answers, we have something that is not an answer, Shayna. Uh, Adidas, the digital six oh, no. jersey. Oh, no. NHL 19 uh, was released today, just before we recorded. Um, mm. I don't know. What, what's the first word that comes to mind for you? Why? Why? That's a good word. Why? That's how I feel. Can we go jersey um, by the jersey and just talk shit about them, please? Yeah. Yeah. Let's go yeah. Okay, where do you want to start? Um, just opened up Wish's article. So let's start with the Bruins. You know what? Of, of the jerseys, this one isn't as bad. It's not as bad, but I just... I don't get it. I don't get it. It's not... It looks like a Barstool it's logo. A it looks like a Barstool logo, which I don't like. Um, it does look like it, a Barstool logo. I feel like I'm looking at a different jersey from from their chest area to the arms. And the legs, like I, I mean, the, the arms and legs are consistent, but those stripes do not match those stripes. The thickness, the cut, it just—it doesn't make sense. Honestly, if you swapped out the Bruins logo and put a Penguins logo, I think it would improve the jersey. Because I agree, but get rid of the stars. Get rid of the stars. Why are they there? It's a little bumblebee. It doesn't make sense. You know. And why don't you have ties? Because ties make it better. And every original six jersey, you want that classic feel. I either want to see like the thicker collar or the ties, and it has neither. So that sucks. And uh, why? Why is there a thin line of stars on his leg? On the on the short on the bottom of the pants. Like why? Oh yeah, they're very faint. Why would you do that? It do just doesn't make sense. Some sort of unknown connection to the stars that we're unaware of. Not to my knowledge. It just looks like they're trying too hard, and they're like, we have 15 ideas. Let's throw it together and see what happens, and it sucks. Sorry. I'm not sorry. It sucks. I love ripping apart jerseys. The the stars and stripes represent the 13 colonies that declared independence against the British. I just just discovered here. Oh, does it say it? Yeah, an American flag Bruins jersey. I didn't read this. That might be why. Why would I? Honestly, why... It just—it's so sad. Okay, fine. The stars and stripes thing—I'll give you, but you could have done it better. It still looks dumb. You're still wrong, and I still hate it. Yeah. <laughs> I like, started you know, out if you're not the Red hating. Sox, you can do it because you have American, mm. the American flag colors. But if you're the Bruins, like, how are you I don't mind that they're not the American flag, flag colors. I just mind that it looks like you have fifteen thousand ideas you just slapped on a jersey. And I at first looked at it, I'm it like, looks. this one's. Yeah. It's, it, the more I look at it, the more I dislike it. Because at first I'm like, eh, it's not so bad. And then I'm like, why did you do these things? Why is half the logo not have stripes? Why do they start awkwardly there? Why aren't they at the middle or on the arms? You could have done 13 stripes on the arms. And I would have been like, you know what? Cool. Or anything else. Spread out better. It's it's awkward. I give this a three dead spiders found on your bed out of ten. <laughs> so it's pretty awful, but it's not the worst thing ever. The Blackhawks. Black the Blackhawks. Um, All right. I hate the Blackhawks in general, and this jersey is so many stripes. I've never seen this many stripes on anything in my life. That would take a while to knit. Let me tell you. It's a lot of green. A lot of knitting. A lot of stripe changing, and I would hate doing it. There are no other sports logo in the world that has seven colors. 
and that's what they're doing is they're celebrating how many colors they have in their logo with this apparently i like their i i honestly like honestly like their their jersey in general i think is beautiful the home jersey and although they could do it a little bit more tastefully with the logo and change a couple things so think it's a little less offensive but like there have been some mock-ups of new logos that would be so much better and it would really make it because it is such a nice jersey and the colors are nice and i like that they include the green and the yellow in it and that's why i think it's cool it's in the stripes but there's a lot going on here but i don't hate it i'm looking at it and going like okay you had a lot of ideas it's still bad it's too many stripies like would i want that as my jersey no would i use it in nhl possibly there's a good chance i like to use ugly jerseys in nhl I'm surprised they didn't add a bunch of those ridiculous colors to, like, make the fingers on the gloves each different color. Oh, my God. Um, Moving ahead, Detroit Red Wings. This is the best of the bunch to me. This is the only (laughs) one that looks like it could be on NHL ice. Why do you say, what's wrong with you? I don't think it's the... I don't know if it's the best one, to be honest. But it's not bad. Shana, who raised you? What's wrong with you? Which jersey of these is better than that Red Wings jersey? I kind of think the Ranger one is. And this is not me being biased. It's just like I see it with the... I don't like it. Okay, here's my thing. The Red Wings one... The Red Wings one, I feel like they were not creative at all because we've seen this on like Winter Classic jerseys. And I don't like how the logo is like awkwardly placed on this red stripe. But then it overhangs the red stripe. Like, look at this. Why didn't you thicken the stripe? Why is it that the tail end of this logo is just peeping onto the white and then on the bottom you can say the same thing? Just thicken the damn stripe. It's not difficult. And then secondly, their legs look like candy canes. Which, okay, that's kind of cool. I mean, I used to wear socks that look like candy canes and I always liked wearing them, so maybe I'll take that back. But the logo, that is just going to drive me crazy. Just thicken the damn red stripe by a centimeter on each side. Red stripe. Uh, This is one of the better ones, though, for sure. It's, it's definitely. Um, it has racing stripes. Does, does it look like racing stripes? Racing stripes that decorated many local cars. I guess so. That's fun. I mean, All right. This is the one where it's like uh, it's it's definitely the least creative, but I still think it's the best looking. Yeah. Montreal. Yeah. Okay. Fine. This um, one is so stupid. <laughs> This one is so stupid. You didn't even do a fucking logo. You're the abbreviation. It could have been worse. They could have done like the Elliot Friedman version. It would have been like M-O-N. But like, this is fucking stupid. This looks like a soccer jersey. Uh, but stupider. That hasn't decided its logo. This looks like someone like knit their kid or their grandson a sweater and put their initials in the middle of it. In case they ever forgot them. Yeah, in case you leave it at school and there's another kid with a similar sweater. This is not useful. This is not use. It says this. This if it feels like a use. It feels youthful in its integration of the abbreviation. What is useful? Youthful about it? Because what when we text, we use abbreviations like youth. No, it looks stupid. Also, like put a damn logo in terms of in terms of logos. Montreal is in the top fifteen of the league. I think like it's not a bad logo. It's just it looks like a toilet seat. You know, it's not awful, but... I get breaking from the tradition, and, like, you know, that's the whole point of this. They're untraditional, and it's a new spin on it, but you could have done better. Montreal's not blue, it's red. Rangers, Shayna. 
You need to explain yourself. This All right, think of think of a Ranger logo. Yep. I, and I now zoom in on it and All paste right. it onto a jersey. Boom. If that's the case, then why doesn't it say Rangers across the chest instead of New York? I know that it used to do New York. Apparently you know what? That's a good point. That's a I good point. White if it said Rangers, what would you think? Are. What would you think I if it said Rangers? It like, I still think it's a hot mess. You know what? I'm looking it's at it now. Hot, hot mess. The way it's pictured, um, and it says New York, like the banner, it reminds me of like you're in a Miss USA competition, and that's like, you know, you're Miss New York, and it's like waving down. The stripes it's way a, too big. The stripe it's is big, but it looks, it, the way it is, it looks like it's, it's a little sash. And it says New York, which... It's like a mayor sash. No, it's it's like a a Miss Universe or a Miss USA competition. This is, you know, Mr. New York. It's so bad. Who's this supposed to be? This looks so bad. This is supposed to be Shankirk? The best thing I can say for this, that is supposed to be Shankirk. The best thing I can say for this is that the pants just look like they're plain navy blue. That's the only thing that's even remotely redeeming about this. Do you like the navy blue better than the regular ranger blue? I don't hate it. I just I, I like the else. navy, but I like the blue better. But like I like the you know their heritage sweaters. I think were gorgeous. The heritage sweaters are gorgeous, and I know that this only exists in a video game, so we shouldn't get too worked up. But good God, this hurts my eyes. It hurts my soul. I really. Yeah. I said on Twitter, this looks like like a well-meaning grandparents' attempt at a homemade jersey. Like, oh, I'll make you a ranger shirt. Yeah. And this is what they make. And then the sh- expression that Shattenkirk has is very apropos. You're just, thanks, Grandma. Thanks. And you just go thanks. home and you pour, you pour lighter fluid on it and you hope you don't remember it. Toronto. 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 Beth on Twitter said this look. they all look like socks. And this one, to me, is the most sock of them all. Hmm. It's very It very might be. Socky. Um... I like the idea. I like the idea of it. I think it's kind of cool, you know, no letters on it. The idea is good, the execution not so much. Yeah, it's awkward. Okay, so look how he's turned to the side and you can see like the edge of the leaf. It's like on his hip awkwardly and then it goes, like that's a little weird. It's like wrapping around where his muffin top would be if he wasn't John Tavares and built like, you know, a muscle car. Yeah. Wasn't worried about other Canadian fans, teams taking issue with the center of hockey universe claiming a Team Canada look. I mean, like, you always think, let's be real, if you're thinking Team Canada, 10 times out of 10, you're probably thinking Toronto. It's just, like, the way it is. You know, you think Maple Leafs, they're, I don't want to say they're Canada's team, but, like, you you know, the way that people say that about the Dallas Cowboys, which makes me want to, like, <sighs> but that's another story. But, like, I feel like the rest of Canada might feel like that, the way I feel about the Cowboys and how america you know that thing but yeah this is weird and it's it's awkward how it's on the arms it is awkward how it's on the sleeves and how far it goes up um i don't know i i appreciate why is it on the, the arms at all of attempt here but it just it looks silly i don't know and why I, have I just don't stripes get it. only on the pants just if you're gonna go full leaf month, just all leaf. Make it a big leafy boy. Leafs everywhere. Leaves, leaves. No, I like. I, I don't mind the stripe on the legs. I feel like it would look really weird. Now I just don't understand what the arms are doing because it kind of seems like the leaf is complete with how it goes out on the hips. So is it like if you lift your arms, you can still see leaf, and then if your arms are down, you can still see leaf, and it's like one of those things. And I think that is stupid. 
you know what? I think it's stupid too. Let's go over to the mailbag. Um, okay. From Patreon, we had a question from Chuck Spadina. Spadina. S-P-I-D-I-N-A. Chuck Spadina, I'm going to say. I would like to preface this by saying this is all Mike's fault. Last podcast, Mike started talking about he who shall not be named, but who chews gum behind a bench. It got me thinking about an interesting topic. What has been the biggest difference you've seen between the two coaches and their philosophies? Once again, I'm sorry for bringing the topic, bringing up the topic, and once again, this is all Mike's fault. Chuck, you tell it like it is. It is all my fault. Um, no, but th- this is a good it. thing to talk about. This is a yeah. good thing to talk about. We should be talking about it. Any other team would be talking about it. It's true. What What do you think is the biggest difference between the philosophy of Vigneault and David Quinn? David Quinn does not chew gum like Elaine Vigneault, and I think that is a major difference that we should be talking about. Um, that is a significant difference, yes. I'm going to say communication. I, I really like how we've seen Quinn talking behind the bench. You see it every single game. He's talking to his players. It looks like he's encouraging them, instructing them. You see the assistants are doing it as well. When they've called timeouts, he's actually had the huddle of players. I can't remember a time that Vigneault did that and didn't hand it off to Scott O'Neill or to Lindy Ruff. Yeah, the assistants would handle it. Yeah, your assistants are there for those things, and they should be doing it in conjunction with you. But you need to do it too, and you need to talk behind the bench and talk to your players. And then when you go to the healthy scratch thing, I'm sure Nemestikov was talked to and told, this is what I want from you, and you're not doing it, because suddenly he did it. And Buchnevich, I think the same thing. It seems like they're having discussions every game that he's not playing. I have high expectations for you. I want you to be better, and I'm going to push you to be better because you're not doing it right now. And for that, you go, at least it's, I don't even know if I want to say the word productive, but at least it's, we have it's not. It, that looks like an explanation rather than Yeah, this, you're not just throwing it into, yeah, oh, he's a healthy scratch. Let's throw it into the void, whatever. No one cares. Like, we're not going to discuss it. There's nothing to discuss. And then you hear it in practice with the players, with uh, Mark Stahl saying, like, he didn't want it to come off the wrong way, but Vigneault didn't always make sure everyone did the drills right. Right, And it was like, are you fucking kidding me? This team yeah. was buried in shots against, buried in scoring chances against, creating quick rushes and nothing else. Sucked at, you know, exiting the zone. Couldn't enter the zone. You name a problem, and they had it. The only thing that they were good at was Lundqvist and the occasional quality chance that they had. Otherwise, yeah. they sucked. And if you suck, you practice. And you practice right, and you get good habits and you build fundamentals are they missing all of that because that's kind of what it seems and i know damn well john tortorella would have never let that fly so was it just those habits over the years faded away and that's why it sucked because you know obviously tortorella leaves it's not like up oh, tortorella is gone everything that he's done is gone you're still gonna have good habits but did they just get that much shittier over the years because you know, practices weren't done right and drills weren't done right and fundamental things that they should have done in practice and learned how to do weren't done right and that's why they couldn't execute it. Was it on the assistants? Was it on the head coach? I think it's a little of all of it because, I mean, have you ever seen a uh, defense execute as poorly as the Rangers did last year? Like, on this team? Probably not. Not in years. So, all of that. All of that is the biggest differences and... Those could be the reasons why he's not a head coach right now. It could also be the fact that I think I saw in a story talking about the Kings, he wanted a long-term commitment, and I get that, but I'm also like, you know, if he was as mm, as great as a, of a head coach as 
his record may indicate. I think teams would have come a knocking, but if you don't have a generational goaltender, I see why they're not. What do you think? Yeah, there's a lot of little things that I think separate them. Um, one of the things I've been paying the most attention to is what the Rangers look like in terms of, you know, what does New York Rangers hockey look like under Quinn? And I think right now I just checked their seventh in the league in hits. Um, last season, the last season under Vigneault, they finished 20th. And I know that hits are a real-time stat and that each uh, NHL rank does a different job or a different kind of job counting what's a hit. But the disparity between those two numbers, I think, tells us a lot about what the coach is trying to convey to his players. And that's, we've heard it, you know, from training camp, you know, what was it, the the David Quinn t-shirt, you know, relentless and scrappy and dibbity-doo, whatever the hell the t-shirt slogan was. But you get the idea that he wants his team to play hard. They, they He wants everyone to kind of be accountable for what they're doing. Accountability is the biggest buzzword for Quinn. I'm not sure what we would say the biggest buzzword for Vigneault was because in many ways he was something of an enigma. Like he, you know, he didn't share much with the media, but he did do a good job in, just, in terms of just kind of talking to them and, you know, making sure they didn't kind of, you know, round up the pitchforks and torches and come after him. But, you know, Quinn has been very hands-on. You know, I I know I've been maybe one of the more outspoken people, especially on Blue Shirt Banner staff in terms of Quinn and some of the decisions he's made. But it is still 14 games. It's important to give the guy the benefit of the doubt. And he is being pushed into... You know, he did choose it, but he is being plugged into a really unique kind of situation and scenario. The, the, how long has it been since since the Rangers tried a genuine rebuild? And how long, you know, did they have Elaine Vigneault's idea of what a hockey team should be as part of their philosophy? And there are still, you know, a handful of guys who are kind of holdovers from that group. And it's not easy. It's not easy for Quinn to figure out what to do with Mark Stahl. You know, it's not easy for him to, you know, figure out what he has in some of these young players. And, you know, I know that he has plenty of communication with Jeff Gordon, but I do look at his usage of the fourth line and, you know, I don't remember. I know that, you know, it, for the most part, Vino wasn't really known for being a guy who always used his fourth line, but he, he liked to roll four lines. That was something he, he tried to do when he could, even when he had someone like Tanner Glass in the lineup or... Or what have you, you know, he would still, the ice time would be a little more spread out. And the other thing I think that's important to mention is, you know, for the most part, Vigneault was able to lean on a couple of players during his tenure. You know, at the top of the list is obviously Henrik Lundqvist. And of course, we all know that he just, you know, rode Ryan McDonough into the ground in terms of asking him what to do in all situations, all scenarios. And Quinn, I don't think really has that defenseman right now. He's trying to see if he can do that with Brady Shea. And the defense looks terrible, but I'm not chalking that up to the Rangers' scheme and system so much as the quality of the team and the adjustment to a new defensive zone coverage. And maybe, maybe you know, there needs to be some amendments to what his systems look like. But this year is going to be a throwaway year. And that's, that is what it is. What we were trying to figure out is what are the little signs we see from Quinn that tell us we should be enthusiastic or encouraged about what he can do with the young players? 
And as frustrating as it has been with Heedle, he's handled Brett Howden really well, and it doesn't get talked about enough. He's also been giving Neil Pionk tons of opportunities, um, even though he is stapling him to Mark Stahl, which is just killing him. But, you know, it's also important to, you know, appreciate the fact that he's looking at a young guy like Pionk, recognizing what he can do. He's giving Pionk so much time in the power play, Shayna. No time for Brady Shea, plenty of time for Neil Pionk. And even though yeah. that kind of drives me up a wall, it also, you know what, he's finding ice time for a younger guy. And, and it's not I like he's been bad that, on the power play either. Like, no, he, he scored. He's just, yeah, exactly. I just, I'm of the opinion that, you know, even a, a tired Shea would be better. But I feel like Shea is more important to the team away from the power play now. And I get that. But you can think of him, though, like, it's similar to McDonough. Think about it. McDonough was yeah. more often like the second power play unit guy, and then you know they had Shattenkirk to take his place, and then they had uh, Dane Boyle to play take his place, and it, it seemed like over the years there was always someone else. Keith Yandel. It was like mm-hmm. here's someone else that'll push him aside, and it was like you know what? We looked at McDonough, and how often do we say, "Oh my God, he's getting so burned out." Yeah, there's there's been it's. I feel like it's still a little early to figure out exactly what Quinn's idea of coaching this team is, but we're definitely, we definitely have enough breadcrumbs to get an idea of what, you know, what the full meal is here, if that makes any sense. I, I feel like, you know, again, it's all about accountability for him. It's about the relationships he establishes with his players. I think when a guy is scratched under Quinn, I think with the exception of probably Pavel Buchnevich, they have a very good idea of what the reason is and what was expected of them. Um, I feel like Buchnevich, not so much possibly because of the language barrier and possibly because of the, the roadblocks he hit last season under Vigneault. Um, but yeah, they're, they're definitely from different schools though. I mean, that goes without saying, you know, and really it comes down to what you're saying. Like Vigneault is so hands off and, you know, I think he was so ready to let, Lundqvist just do everything he could to help his team win games, whereas I think Quinn is really trying to figure out a way to wake up his offense and a way to spark his team, and he's not exactly trying to ride Lundqvist into the ground, Um, and even though the Rangers are just getting their ass handed to them in possession, but I see enough little signs where I'm like, okay, well, let's let's be patient enough with Quinn. Baby steps. Um, Baby steps. Uh, the next question, Shana, is from Clem Fandango. If Quinn can't find Heedle more minutes, do you think he's better off being sent down? If so, who do you call up Anderson or keep both players down getting top six and call up Fogarty or Fontaine, whose ceilings are, f- are fourth-line centers? So here's the thing. We kind of touched on this already. You burned his entry-level year. Uh, you got to keep him up. I mean... Don't you feel this for now? Like, like, just for now, just for yeah, you gotta you gotta try to make it work. Not just like oh, keep him up because of the contract. You owe it to him and to yourselves to make it work and to figure out something. That's a better way of putting it. Yeah, you you do owe it to the kid to give him a real chance, and thus far he hasn't had that. Stephen Fogarty, thirteen points in fourteen games in Hartford. Not bad. Not bad. Not bad at all. And then um, you all you just gotta figure out like what to do with it. It's just like a matter of finding that time. Finding that consistency, and once I think he starts scoring, and I, I know Joe has been saying it all the time, like he can't buy a goal. The second he starts scoring, watch out. 
You, you gotta do something. Throw him on for an Why empty neck goal. On that wraparound where he had uh, he had Hutton out of position and yeah, wrist and just slid across. I was like, oh god, Heedle. Yeah, just give him, nice let him play when you, when they pull their goalie. Let him get an empty net goal. Do anything, but yeah, at this point, you don't want it to be like, oh, let's just send him to Hartford. That's easier. Like, no, there's a challenge for you. Figure it out. It's on the coaches. It's not like he's doing. It's not like he isn't doing. It's not like he isn't visible. It's not like he isn't working his ass off. He's trying. Now, help him get there. You know, he needs the help from the coaches. And there's nothing wrong yeah, with that. Just, to circle back to the question. If if you're Gorton here and you mm-hmm. see what what Quinn is doing to your your prized your prized prospect, do you consider setting him down, or the first thing you do is you pick up the phone and you say, "Hey Dave, uh, find ice time for Heedle because we need him to get better." I don't know how much Gorton wants. I don't know how big Gorton is on that kind of thing because we saw Vigneault like how many disconnects were there that you were like do you two talk do you know what each other wants like what are your goals let's discuss it before you do anything I don't know if he wants to step on Quinn's toes and be like play this person I'm gonna do your job for you but at a certain point he's got to be like we need to see more from him and I kind of wish this happened before the 10 game mark like do something and Quinn he knows Heedle he's you know he knows what he can do, it seems like. He knows that he's a good player. It, it's just, you got to give him more. If it's a little bit more time on the fourth line, if it's anything. And, like, I like, personally, first line gets more minutes. I feel like that was something, last year, I looked at that the first line never got enough minutes. And Zibanejad was, you know, playing minutes like Nico Hishir, who was a rookie center for the Devils. You know, you need to give your top line more minutes. You don't want it that a team like, I think it was Nashville, they had a fourth line that they gave way too many minutes, and then the Forsberg-Johansson line, like, they did not play nearly enough. So, like, you do need to find that balance still, that it's, like, fourth line's getting minutes without it impeding on the first line, but the first line's still getting more minutes without it taking away, you know? You gotta distribute it better. It, it, you gotta figure out something. It's on It's yeah, on the coaches at this point. philosophy thing, right? Like, yeah. if you have the philosophy of not using that fourth line and really using your top line and top two lines... It kind of works against this whole Heedle situation because if Quinn can't find room for him in you know the top two or top three lines, then he's not going to get any goddamn ice time, and that's really what what all this discussion with Heedle has been about. But I don't think the best thing for him is to be in the AHL right now. I think the best thing for him is for Quinn to kind of turn that accountability thing back on himself and find a way. Uh, it's not that hard. I know that, you know, Nemestikov's been playing better. Nemestikov playing a little bit better isn't more important than giving Heedle a chance to click. Um, I, you know, you can say the same thing about VC. You can say the same thing about Fast. Like, you're not going to hurt this team by putting Jesper Fast, like, further down the lineup. You're not going to hurt the team by keeping Spooner a healthy scratch. You don't want to do it all year long because, you know, he's a guy you want to move and he's making four million a year and you know if he's not getting any time to play then no one's going to want to take him and his contract so you're not going to get anything back for him but that kind of ties back to that thing i said closer to the top of the show which is you got too many pieces here shane you gotta move something yeah make room and Um, so and now hold on here's the thing super timely howden not at practice today and there are Swedish rumors that I have no idea how true they are. I just saw it on Twitter. There are rumors that Leas already got the call-up. So if Leas gets the call-up, which 
hey, he's deserved it. If it's a short-term thing, I don't love it. If it's a long-term thing, obviously it's the right move. But so does he just slot into the third line? No, he'll still, you know, you gotta, you're, this problem's not going away. No, it's not. Like, if Nieves was ready to come back, it would, so it would go away. And play center, yeah. Yeah. And I don't know, I feel like you might be onto something. Let Hayes play wing. Because Just give it a shot. It's actually, his natural position. You might, you might be helping his trade value by saying, look, he's a versatile guy. You know. Yeah, that's not? true, too. I mean, yeah, centers are more, centers you know. play wing, but... And is it really gonna? And is it really gonna harm him if he goes back for a handful again? He's not developing. He's not a prospect. This isn't some crucial time in his development. He's a player. He's been there. He's done it. And they say there's been there's been like a study. I remember reading. Um, I think it was by Matt Pfeffer that was saying that it's easier for a center going back to wing has more positive results than a wing going back to center, but it's really not that big of a deal. Hmm. You know, it's not, for a center to go to wing, it really isn't, not a big it's really, you know, it, there's more responsibilities for a center, so a winger should be able to handle it. Is there a chance he sucks at it? Sure, but what do you have to do to try it out? Yeah, you want to win, but. You've tried everything else, for goodness sakes, except for yeah. do, doing a little bit more work to make room for Hedl. Uh We are coming towards the end of our show, but I'm going to ask you one tough question, Shana. Okay. What is the best type of cold pizza to eat? So what toppings hmm. I'm suggesting here? Which toppings are either enhanced or are the least gross once they're cold? Hmm, this is a good one. Oh, you ziti pizza is not it. Pizza. Yeah, ziti, no, not it. Want. Ziti, you want warm. As much as I like that the noodles get crunchy, like, no, I want that warm. Um, hmm. This is a tough one. I feel like like a honey mustard slice wouldn't be that bad cold. But mm, I don't know. There's something about just plain know. pizza. What? Plain pizza does okay. I don't know. Honey mustard pizza. What the hell are you talking about? It's really good. I remember I used to get those all the time and they were really good. and had like little bacon on it. Really good. I can't remember what else, but I really liked it. But I remember those being okay cold. Mm. But, like, I don't want buffalo chicken cold. Like, I want that warm. I want that, like, warm and... Yeah. I, I, but, like, I, I don't like... If my pizza isn't cold, I want it to be, like... I don't want it warm. I want it hot. I want it melty and hot. And I want the edges to crisp up. Like, I get pizza every single time. I can get it fresh, you know, from a pizza place. Bring it home. It's going in the oven every single time. Yeah. Room temperature pizza is strictly worse than cold pizza to me. You don't want yeah. room temperature pizza. I don't even want, want warm pizza. I want hot. Hot or cold. Two ways. Just like ice cream. Hot ice cream. Yeah. Um, mine is going to be chicken parm pizza. Because I, I never had it cold. I don't, I don't mind cold chicken, which is bizarre to some people. I just no, like I don't it. mind cold chicken either. Like a cold you don't chicken want, like, reheating chicken can shit. suck. You want to reheat chicken. It's all dry and rubbery. And yeah. Yeah. You had a question for me. I want to hear that question. All right. How do you feel about... Your question. How do you feel about Posh Spice not joining the Spice Girls on their tour? 
She didn't join. She's not joining. Are they no. replacing Posh Spice? No, I think it's just the other. So they tweeted before, and it's the four of them. You have, you know, Sporty, Scary, Baby, and Ginger. Ginger, all four hanging out, doing their thing. I retweeted it before, and I'm upset you didn't see it. And Victoria Beckham is not there. <laughs> and if I remember right, I remember seeing something about uh, about Mel B on Halloween dressing up, making making fun of you know Victoria Beckham for not wanting to go on tour with them. So how do you feel about it being the four without her? Uh, my biggest thing is I'm sure they have a lot of like choreographed dance moves that are designed for the full ensemble for the full spice rack right and now you're going what the fuck are you gonna do you bring in like you did a thing like beyonce did where she broke off <clears throat> i'm choking to death they broke off from destiny's child or she broke off from destiny's child and then she yeah. performed with like two background dancers it's like excuse me you're already in destiny's child what about kelly Rowland? oh and, kelly Rowland and michelle and the other Girl. Michelle. Michelle. Do you know her last name? I think it's Williams. Well, you're not certain about that, so maybe you should turn that judgment back on yourself. Shame. No, it is Michelle um, Williams. I'm correct. It's Michelle okay. Williams. So. Well, okay. Well, I'm ashamed of myself and the show. But yeah, whatever. I don't know. That's sad. I mean, you got to spice it's, it's, up your yeah. life, but you need the whole you need the whole spice rack. It's but like, if day. if they said to you, we can give you, you four out of the five spices. Or no spice at all. What do you say? I'm going to say, give me the four spices. I'm sure they're still going to kill it. Do I really want to go? Maybe she didn't have the time. But for the joke. She is busy. T-H-Y-M-E. Like a spice. Oh, here we go. No, but you're probably right on both times. Because she is super busy. And it's like a fashion designer. And whatever. But also, make damn time for Spice Girls. Come on. I hate someone saying, what am I going to wear? The little Gucci dress or the little Gucci dress? The little Gucci dress. Um, um, that was a good question. The best, I right? I feel like, yeah, that, that makes me sad. You got to put, you got to put Spice Girls in front of other things. If you're Posh Spice, it's important to so many people. Uh, Wait, I got a good one. I got a good one. Oh, I got a good one. Someone has tickets for you. You can see Backstreet, Sync. Destiny's Child or Spice Girls, but only one. Who do you go to? Probably Destiny's Child or In Sync. Wow. I have to cut my body in four pieces and go to all four. I think. Wow. <laughs> you have to like horcrux yourself. Yeah, right. It's Get the little time turner. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Self, you know, cut yourself into sections like a little sectional couch of Shana. Um, <laughs> I'm going to read our patrons now. Yes. Uh, the show wouldn't be possible without uh, our wonderful patrons, and now I'm going to read the names of the people I'm supposed to read the names of. And I'm going to mess up the names that I give Joe so much shit about messing up. Alex Gardner, Alexander Ricard, Armiel Kistner, Andre Shikagov, Anthony Viola, Arch Williams, no relation to Michelle Williams of Destiny Shroud, Bob Kawa, Chris B., Chris Habibi, Chuck Spadina, Dan Carosi, Daniel DeGen, Danny Santiago, David L. Singer, Eric Cohn, Fancy Lawrence, Gabriel Vargas, 50, Igor Zlaslavsky, 
James Dangles, John Reppy, Keith Franchello, Matt Bader, Meaty Ogre, Michael Silvers, Mike Offit, Stink Fleeman, Tall Guy Rob, Thomas Osa, Toy from Manhattan, and Trevor Kempner. Thank you all very much. Uh, without you guys, we wouldn't be able to do the show. I also, just here at the end of the show, I want to put a little bit of a spotlight on our buddy Tom Ertz and his Hockey Fights Cancer Pledge. Uh, yes. Go check out Tom's Twitter page at, at Tom Ertz Jr. Ertz is spelled like Utz's chips, but you throw an R in there. And uh, <laughs> take a look at the good work he's doing to, you know, try and make a difference, try to get people inspired about kicking cancer right in the testicles uh, because cancer sucks. And, you know, you should see if you can maybe match him or you know, help help put a spotlight on what he's doing, help support him. I think it's something that he, it's, it's amazing what he does and what he's willing to do. Uh, and there's easy the ways to contribute. I, I, I second all that. T-shirt with a lovely logo that you made. Very nice job on that. The uh, hashtag with the hockey sticks. Love it. And um, pucks. If you want signed pucks from players, Tom has that too. And everything, you know, every donation, every shirt is going to go to more cancer foundations. So... If you don't want to match or you don't want to make your own pledge because that can get costly, but you still want to support, there are other ways. And if you don't want to do any of that, but you want to do your own pledge like Tom, you can always, you know, go back and do it for the month of November. Do whatever you want. Think of different things. Get creative and have some fun with it. I think it's a lovely idea. Um, yeah, definitely go check that out. Definitely big stick taps to Tom. Uh, that's something that's awesome that he does. He doesn't seek any attention for it. I did ask him if it was okay if I talked about it, and he said that was fine. Uh, I didn't. I don't think he know how much we were going to gush about him, but that's tough. We did. Tough shit, Tom. That's what happens. Okay. Um. Uh, that's our show, Shayna. I'm going to ask you one last tough question. Okay. How many goals does Kevin Hayes finish with this season that he scores in a New York Ranger jersey? Oh, that's right. You know, if you're going to say goals, I'd be like, all right, I'm going to go 24. I'm going to go 24. I'm going to go high on that one. But uh, Ranger jersey, I'm going to say 14. 14. I'm going to say 15. Wow. And that's The Price is Right. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for listening. Bye. Enjoy your week. Bye-bye.